So from beautiful Marietta, Georgia, John Herter, Tuesday, June 29th. Great as always to have you along, everybody. In a nutshell, from the experts, it's a compressed virtual networking accelerator helping people across industries help connect in a brief, moderated, interactive show format very quickly. It's like a TED talk with interactive <laughs> discussion. So what's in it for you? The FT you promise if all goes well, your curiosity is sparked, new ideas come to light, and you may have helped yourself or someone else solve a problem, make that connection, reach that opportunity faster. Networking has never been more important to your business. Folks, help me welcome guest expert Cindy Cisneros, Vice President of Education Programs for the Committee of Economic Development, CED, where for the past eight years, she's been responsible for overseeing portfolio of education policy work. Distinguished career in senior research roles at the American Institute of Research Education Development Center, wow, that's a long word, and the executive and legislative branches of government, the U.S. Department of Education, and for U.S. representatives, Leon Panetta, and Tony Coelho. Hello, Cindy. Hello, John. Hey, after hearing uh, you and your recent take on Marketplace, uh, I'm really pleased that you could make time, connect with the FT Network, and go a little bit deeper on this important back-to-workplace subject. John, thank you so much uh, for that warm welcome and introduction. It is a pleasure to be here with you today and appreciate the invitation to have this exchange and conversation. So today I will be sharing about a strategy for how to keep and attract talent. Um, and Gus, we can go ahead and uh, put up the first slide. Thank you. Let me just adjust. Okay, great. Thank you, Gus. And I know John likes to have uh, the speakers uh, begin with the give and the ask uh, that helps set uh, the, the frame for our, our time today. And I wanna start with the give in terms of what I'm gonna be sharing in terms of a strategy to help keep and attract talent in the workforce. Going to share some brief data about workforce implications and some model approaches uh, by three companies for consideration and inspiration. And uh, the ask is, uh, to really hear from you and as part of the discussion and the Q&A about your experiences directly in the workplace uh, with your employees. All right, next slide, please. So what's the problem? Many jobs, this is to help set the frame and, and the context uh, for the conversation. Many jobs had vanished during the pandemic, hitting a total high of 23 million in May of 2020. And the economic recovery, while it has started, it has still been quite slow. Actually, we're currently in a tight labor market. Businesses are having problems hiring. You may or may not be able to relate to this. Even though 9.3 million people were unemployed in May of 2021, according to the latest data from the Bureau of Labor Statistics. 
many economists point to two areas for this, and the first may surprise you, access to childcare. And the second reason, continuing health and safety fears due to the pandemic. So those are the two primary reasons. So John, at this time, want to pull up the two polls just to get a sense uh, from our uh, listeners about if this issue has been raised before. Have you heard of it? Does it sound familiar? And so we'll just give a minute uh, or so uh, for that. And we will go ahead, uh, Gus, and move to the second slide while we see the results of the poll come up. Okay, great. All right, so about half of you um, uh, understand and have heard about uh, the need for childcare, either personally or through your employers or those that you supervise. And great to see that um, there is, oh, actually in terms of the second poll, this is not surprising to hear that organizations uh, not offering uh, childcare in, in some capacity. So I was curious in terms of uh, the audience experience. So thank you uh, for your response um, to that. So childcare, why are we asking about it? Why are we talking about it? Why does it actually matter in terms of thinking about recruitment and talent retention? So along with healthcare, dental coverage and paid time off, Child care assistance is a high value benefit for employees. It's a more recent innovation in HR benefits as it was not considered or it was overlooked as an essential tool to find and keep the best talent. Well, that's no longer the case, especially after this past year. Child care benefits help leaders create a better employee experience. There is a strong business case to be made for finding methods that support employees as parents. Programs like these pay dividends in the form of increased productivity, improved retention, and overall job satisfaction. Your company has a quantifiable stake in childcare programs. Nationally, 2 million employees quit their jobs because of it every year, and 45% of them report missing work due to childcare issues. This results in missed workdays, income, and productivity for both employers and working families. According to one study, cost to businesses is over $4 billion a year in lost productivity, and the cost to working families is over $8 billion in lost wages. So while the health and safety issues related to COVID-19 are unique, the need for reliable, high-quality childcare for the 15 million parents with young children is nothing new. However, the pandemic health crisis increased national awareness of how critical childcare is to every business and ultimately the U.S. economy overall. And of note on the pandemic that I want to highlight is that it had a very disparate impact specifically on women and in McKinsey's 2020 Women in the Workplace report, it revealed a startling statistic. One in four working women in North America said that they were considering downshifting their careers or dropping out of the workforce entirely. 
For working mothers, and particularly those with young children, the number was one in three. And we also know from research that women's advancement in the workforce matters. Companies with more women executives are more likely to outperform those with fewer senior women. Working mothers comprise nearly a third of the female workforce in the United States in 2020. So employers cannot afford to minimize the challenges that millions of women face. I mean, that is a huge talent pool that they are missing out on. All right, John, at this time, we wanna bring up the third and final poll to find yeah, out if... While I do that, I see that Grace has a question. She says, how can employers actually help? What, what kind of suggestions might you have? That is a perfect segue into the next and final slide. Uh, so we could move Gus to slide four and appreciate that question uh, from Grace. So yes, what can be done? And the answer is yes, something can be done. Uh, Childcare supports can be provided to help working parents. And I wanna highlight three companies and their approaches. Uh, for consideration and hopefully inspiration uh, as you move forward in your own organizations uh, at, at this time. So let's take a look first. Oh yes, and looking at, okay. That's it is one. also um, not as surprising to see two in terms of uh, surveys of uh, employees. So we think that's an area also that could be used as a tool for improvement as part of providing childcare supports, you know, finding out, hey, do your employees even have, you know, a need uh, for this and just getting more information uh, about your, your human capital uh, in your organization. So in terms of three companies approaches, the first uh, I want to cite is Patagonia which I think most of you know is an outdoor clothing and gear company. And they had developed, and this was over 40 years ago, uh, they called the Great Pacific Child Development Center uh, to provide childcare to employees of Patagonia. So they provide on-site childcare for employees in three locations in California and Nevada. And what the company has learned over the decades about children, childcare, and supporting working families has actually been chronicled in a book called Family Business and happy to share that link afterwards uh, if, there, if there's interest. Now, clearly they are certainly the gold standard in terms of what a company can do uh, to provide childcare support. Um, and again, they were very, uh, leading edge in establishing this decades ago, and then actually conducting the research to measure the impact and the outcomes, both for their own uh, employer productivity as well as employee uh, productivity. So the second company to highlight is Bank of America. And they had a backup childcare program for employees that ended last August but the bank followed up by introducing a daily childcare reimbursement of $75 or $100, depending upon the employee's salary 
for children up to 12 years old and children with special needs through 21 years old through the end of this year. Now, this is important in terms of subsidizing the cost of childcare because as some of you may know from personal experience, it is very expensive. For center-based care, the average runs about $9,500 a year for four-year-olds, and it's actually more expensive for infant and toddler care. For most families, it costs more than college tuition. It's pretty high priced. And Bank of America also employs another strategy in terms of partnering with a childcare company, Bright Horizons, that provides workers with access to learning hubs and childcare. And I know we also have participating Ilana Yalo from KinderCare, who I hope will share some uh, examples as well uh, about how they work in partnership uh, with companies to help provide these kinds of services. And the third company to highlight is Intel, and it is a technology company. And in September, it had switched its backup childcare offerings to a monthly reimbursement program. So similar to what Bank of America was doing, offering employees between $75 and $300 a month to help with caregiving costs. And earlier this year, they also added 80 hours of supplemental paid time off to allow for more time off during the pandemic and childcare issues as needed. So here you have three different companies in three different sectors, three different approaches to supporting childcare for working families. So we have on-site childcare with Patagonia. With Bank of America, we have subsidized childcare plus partnership with a local childcare provider. And Intel, who also provided uh, subsidies to help offset the high cost uh, of childcare and additional uh, paid leave. So there are different approaches. We know companies have different sizes, uh, but there are ways to problem solve in terms of this issue to help ensure that the, the workplace is as productive as it can be, and that means ensuring the employees are as productive as they can be, and providing childcare is a win-win. You know, employers get to have employees who can participate in the workforce because they have access to childcare. Parents know that their kids are in a safe and hopefully high-quality childcare setting, and they can rely on that care to be and stay in their jobs and retain their jobs. And as a result, they have increased productivity and their uh, salary and revenue and individual income is also increased. So it is a winning strategy for both employers and employees. And there have been companies that have started doing this before the pandemic had started, but also reconsidering their policies and practices as a result of the pandemic. And the need is greater than ever, given that as part of our economic recovery, uh, companies across the country uh, are in need of employees. And there's a great deal of hiring uh, underway you know, at, this, at this time. 
So mm -hmm. let me stop here and have an opportunity to hand this back to John, who is going to uh, move us through Q&A and yeah. discussion. Yeah, Cindy, thank you very much. Uh, we've got some questions. Thank you for your comments. Uh, I've got several on my own here, but just following up, um, you know, where can we find out what other firms are doing, are providing for subsidy? You know, especially, you know, when you're looking at this for the first time, you want to get a feeling for what others are doing. Am I going to offer too much? You know, am I offering too little? Of course, then can I offer it at all? Where can we find that kind of data on what others are doing? And I've got some uh, links to share um, in terms of some articles. Uh, there's also that, you know, do a, a survey and there are certain magazines that do annual workplace surveys, you know, where they ask about benefits and if, and if they offer childcare, you know, um, you know, best places to work, you know, that offer a certain particular benefit. So there's, um, there can be magazine surveys, they can't, there is information um, from um, SHRM, you know, who mm -hmm. the end all be all in terms of human resource information. Um, and I was able to curate that information about the companies, um, not only from pieces that I read, you know, in the news, but there is a particular article that did um, that did a summary of what some of the bigger name companies in different industries across the country were engaged in. So again, happy to share those those links for others to take a look at and review. Perfect. So Alana is saying, hey, what suggestions do you have for transitioning the mindset from seeing childcare as a woman's issue to the business issue? And that's a great question because it does require that the leadership of the company and business leaders better understand what the value is of, of childcare. And it's because the, the leadership does have to come from the top for, for any type of cultural change or, or change in, in policy and practice. And we have found in the work that we've done that really helping businesses to understand the economic contribution of childcare and the presence of childcare as a tool, as a resource to help them increase and be a better company, increase their revenues, which is what companies usually aim to do usually starts to get their attention. And because of the pandemic, it was heightened when businesses closed. And so understanding what is it gonna to take to bring employees back and keep them and what do they need to stay in their jobs? So yeah. recognizing the value really yeah. of, of childcare. There's no doubt about it. I mean, we, we, we should have more uh, CEOs, CEOs uh, in this call right here. And so I know there's a struggle for smaller firms, medium-sized firms to really understand what that economic benefit, uh, what that productivity value is. So yeah, it would be great if you would in the post, just share the links with us and we'll send it out to everybody in the post show notes. That would be super. Then I've got a question here that talks about um, what about uh, uh, availability for subsidy through federal government 
just thinking it could be an employee benefit also, but uh, also let employees know what might be available. So Grace, I'm sorry, maybe I messed that up. Did I get that about right? No, yeah, that was, that was right. That's absolutely right. And there is, um, the federal government does, in terms of supporting employers uh, in business, does offer a tax credit. Um, and it's it caps at $150,000 per year. Um, and it equals 20, per, I wanna get this right, 25% of expenses um, for, Yes, 25% of expenses for employee childcare, either on site or costs related to subsidizing childcare in the community for employees. And so that, that maximum credit can't exceed that $150,000 cap per year. The challenge has been, as we found in our work, that there's not a lot of awareness. So there's a real opportunity to highlight that this exists because um, there is not a lot of uptake from businesses and companies, you know, across the country uh, considering this um, and how to utilize it. Okay, so let's just pause for a second. And I'm going to let you know that today's show is brought to you by RFTE Underwriters, Porter Hedges, Attorneys at Law, the informed choice for complicated litigation in the energy business, unique ventures. The Energy Hybrid Technology Accelerator with a unique approach to venture capital. Arion, full service project engineering and design firm, respected, trusted, and highly valued by select energy industry clients. Interpoint, protecting what you care about most, people profits, brand, and the environment. And Alliance Benefit Group, building retirement plans for your business that work. Okay, so, if we have no further questions on the content, uh, if we do, that's fine for Cindy. Let's go ahead and open the floor to get a little more experience from the group. Uh, and folks, when you uh, take the floor to share your own experience in this area, could you kindly introduce yourself uh, with your take? And you could also do it in the chat if you're more comfortable doing that. So, and, yeah. I'm sorry, I just wanted to add one more thing as people are thinking about potential thoughts and, uh, questions uh, for discussion is that in terms of helping business leaders think about the value of it, you can look at the research uh, from Patagonia, um, as well as there have been other studies such as in uh, Canada that have shown the increased level of productivity for uh, employees. And so you can show the value of having it present in terms of productivity, and you can show the cost of not having it in terms of lost productivity. So that's another strategy from a financial standpoint for consideration. Cool, thanks. Uh, okay, so who would like to share their experience with the group? Um, Kayla, you you'd talked to us a little bit at the beginning of the show, could you tell us based on what you've heard, how does that fit into your current situation? Or more questions that you might have? Oh, I think you're on mute. 
Yeah, sorry, Kayla. Can't quite. My microphone was down. Can you hear me now? Okay, I moved it up. Um, Okay, so I think our biggest thing right now is childcare. You know, sick children. um, You know, they have something wrong with their daycares. You know, something spread through the daycares. Their daycare shut down, and you know, just a lot of people that are working from home right now keep their kids home. So it's a little bit of a distraction too to our individuals. So we're just kind of working through not only that, but also, you know, we're transitioning our employees back in. And that's a big thing is, Hey, my kids are at home. I can't be in office. I need to be home and so forth. So that's a big thing that we're kind of working through that we're transitioning our teams through at the end of the year. And hopefully things have calmed down a little bit more, but we're in a new world now where work from home is normal. So we're trying to just kind of manage through those aspects. So I guess, you know, and it's obviously not just childcare that affects that, but um, it's a big part of it. Um, I guess my question is, I think you had talked about the childcare credits and I know Grace had mentioned the childcare credit from the federal employer too. So we'll have to definitely look into it. We're a small company and we have 105 employees. So kind of looking into any avenue that we have to make things easier for our employees is our goal right now. And it's great to hear you thinking about it because even moving forward, I mean, we're not done with the pandemic, but that that ongoing transition um, either back to work you know, in a physical space or a hybrid scenario, we're still faced with the same issues. And there was actually um, a survey done asking parents about their preferences. You know, would they prefer to go back to the workplace or stay at home? And over 60% actually preferred to continue to work from home uh, because they needed to be able to manage, you know, their, their kids and care situations because school too even though schools are reopening and come fall, there's a lot more movement um, in, in states, you know, to have the in-person uh, education experience again. Uh, but there are some that will provide a hybrid approach as well. And so um, families, especially moms, have been tapped to really help oversee that. So it is an ongoing issue, Kayla, as you were saying, and there are different variations on the theme. I mean, not everybody can pull off Patagonia because that's like the unicorn out there uh, in terms of what they do. Um, But there are other strategies to try and consider. um, And if there's a local child care resource and referral agency, which has a lot of great information about child care and, you know, where to find it, what does good child care look like, how much does it cost, you know, how can I get help with this, that could mm-hmm. also serve uh, as, as a local resource. Yeah, Kayla, any, any follow-up on that? No, I think these are all great ideas, you know, it's just yeah. something that's been a constant discussion with our management team is just how what we can do to make it easier whether we go hybrid whether we come back into office full-time no matter what you know it's just a con it's been a constant discussion and it's going to be for a long time now have you actually pulled any models onto the table for child care or are you just still trying to get your hands around what the issue how to manage the issue 
we're trying to get our hands around managing the issue. We're just, you know, the thought of just bringing him back into the office is just kind of coming to the forefront now. So we're kind of working through how to handle this and kind of go from there. So, you know, Ilana, you've got a ton in your firm is a ton of experience around this. And, you know, you, you have your fingers on some models that smaller, medium-sized firms are, are trying or different ways to get at it. Thanks for asking, John. And to the point of, you know, Patagonia being one sort of gold standard model, I would say that that was probably true a while ago, but I'm not sure that that's the model that meets the needs of the current workforce where there's more flexibility working from home, particularly post-COVID, even before much more distributed uh, workforce and not necessarily wanting to serve only the needs of those um, families who are close to a headquarters operation that has a sufficient employee base uh, to support a center or or a smaller business. So I would really encourage businesses to look to partner with either local uh, child care providers or for example, you know, we offer many on-site centers through kinder care, but we also work with many employers to give them access to our full 1500 <laughs> accredited centers nationwide. So with one relationship, they can their employees can have access to centers um, across a broad network with some consistency of the experience for employees. So I really think breaking the mindset that I think we all used to have about what the gold standard of experience was that we would want to create to really looking to much more flexibility based on size of corporation, uh, where where the workforce really is, and, and just thinking out of the box. And the best way to, I think, come to some of those answers is to really reach out to your own employee population and see what their needs are and not make assumptions based on sort of historical understandings about what what people are looking for. Exactly. And, you know, appreciate the fact that the workforce is much more distributed um, in this online virtual hybrid world that will continue. So for those industries that have to be on site, you know, whether that's uh, healthcare industries, hospitality, uh, and entertainment type industries, um, they will be seeking, I think, options for, for on-site care, but very much appreciate the variations on the theme where if you don't have, um, you know, concentration of employees at a physical site, that you do need to be creative and look to local solutions and, and local resources such as local child care uh, providers. And it could be that the best strategy is really helping with the cost side of it because we know two big issues around child care are both the quality and access in terms of, of cost and supply. So uh, it, it, there are different variations and yes, depending upon the size of the company and the nature of the industry, it is gonna look different in, in each place for sure. Um, Jen, uh, well, first of all, Jen is, uh, Jen Lomansky is with PKF Texas. They're a, a medium size accountancy and advisory firm that's growing. Uh, quickly. So Jen, could you share your perspective on, you know, what's happening there and what's your take on, on this? Yeah. Um, well, I'm single, no kids. So, <laughs> and I run the marketing department here, so I'm a little, little, little off of the true topic, but 
Um, I do know our team uh, sent out a survey in May to say, hey, do you want to come back? I know they've been very flexible through the pandemic. We had an element of flexibility pre-pandemic where you could work reduced work schedule, where you could, you know, say work, you know, nine to three and, you know, you can make things work. Um, to fit whatever your family needs. So we already had an element of flexibility. Then of course, everybody went 100% remote. We're actually not going back into the office until um, after October 18th, because they wanted the firm leadership heard from the employees that we wanted to now be in a more hybrid environment. Most people indicated on the survey um, that they wanted one to two days a week in the office and then the flexibility for others. So the leadership's designing a new hybrid um, work environment. And so, because previously it was more of a, the flexibility was, you know, on an individual basis and based on what your needs were. So now they're kind of trying to do a little bit more of a one size fits all with still, you know, room to room to go there. But um the reason why it's post October 18th is that gets us through our September and October 15th tax and audit deadlines. <laughs> and they didn't, you know, when they came out with the survey in May, we still had the June 15th deadline because of our freeze in, <laughs> we lovely, lovely those extended deadlines. Um, anyway, so they didn't have time to come up with a hybrid thing for the summer and everybody's again, dealing with childcare in the summer and they, they didn't want to rock the boat until post post busy season. So there's more to come, but they are taking, um, they are listening to the employees. We have about 150 team members. Um, we're about 29 million in revenue located here in Houston, but then do business all over the country and internationally. So that is I terrific think, to hear. I think that answered questions. We've been at best places to work, best accounting firms to work for. So they really take take the employee experience very seriously here at PKF Texas, even pre-pandemic. So you know, it was it was very Jen, seamless. Uh-huh. It is super interesting that you're from an accounting firm because, <laughs> you know, to be honest uh, about the tax credit, it was invented in 2001 and hasn't been adjusted in 20 years. And as right. we all know, the cost of care has gone up over the last two decades. So who else better than an accounting firm could take a look at the value of the credit, see if it's set at an appropriate level, like is it robust enough to be a real employer's incentive? Right. And if not, make recommendations because that's something that people who work in policy could use with policymakers to say, hey, look, you know, we had an accounting firm take a look at this and for their own employees, here's, you know, the pros and cons. And, you know, um, they, like others, are struggling with, uh, you know, Maybe it's going to be hybrid. Maybe there's going to be more options. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I have three kids who are older now. But believe me, I could not have been home with a four-year-old, a two-year-old, and a newborn and also work from home at the same time and be productive unless I did that in the middle of the night. But, yeah. you know, and that's not to say parents aren't doing that now. But I think whether it's a remote work situation, whether it's a hybrid situation, there's still for many parents, particularly with kids under five, a need for childcare because um, being home yeah, is, a, is a juggling experience, right? If you're working and also not just putting the TV on and putting a child gate you know, near the den so that right. out and the TV is the babysitter. I mean, that's not even good for child development, right? So mm -hmm. what, what, you know, could you do? But 
in accounting. Well, we looking at that we also have um, on our audit side, we have an employee benefit plan audit practice, and we do a lot of consulting with firms and then bring in employment consultants as they're looking at their different benefit plans, what makes sense. And some of that tax to your point does come into that as we're giving, as we're giving that advice separate and apart from the audit as we will do some consulting around that about what we're seeing because we you know, anytime a, you know, this is DOL, anytime a company has a hundred or more employees, they need their benefit plan audited. And so mm-hmm. we see stuff, you know, all sorts of, all sorts of, you know, makes models and sizes of companies. And so, you know, we're able to say, Hey, look, this is, this is what we're seeing in your size company. And there's, you know, some benchmarking reports and things like that, that we're also able to pull from a company called Arisipedia. And so that that also plays into our consulting side at the employee benefit plan practice. Ah, Arissa, very familiar with it. Okay, <laughs> um, that's super interesting. I think you know, um, maybe you could follow up and and share some of what you're seeing. You know, um, and I know it's too soon now because the American Rescue Plan just was enacted in March, and so you know we're not going to get real time data on the take up or utilization of some of the benefits, but DCAPs, dependent care assistance plans were increased to 10,500. That's gonna be a big benefit for, you know, those employers who utilize that option. Um, You know, there are things. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, I think what's really clear in my mind as I'm listening to this conversation is that we don't, um, we need thought leaders like a PKF Texas to firm this up into something simple that business leaders can get their hands around to understand the value and why it's a competitive issue for them in pure business sense. We've got to do it. We have had conversations with several CEOs as we were building up to the show. They just don't get it. They kind of get it, but you know, this hybrid thing is going to really kind of put a lot of pressure on a lot of caregivers. Uh, and so figuring out the right solution, uh, maybe it's, um, you know, partnering up with an association like uh, Kinder Care, somebody out there, maybe it's, I don't know what it is, but there's not, um, there's not enough focus on it. And I think we need professional groups like PKF and uh, with the policy folks to, to tune this up. People aren't paying attention to it. So any last questions, uh, any last comments, uh, Cindy, or questions from the group? Just uh, reflecting on what you said, John, in terms of that competitiveness piece, because we too try and bring an economic development lens, a return on investment lens um, in, in our work. And, you know, when we think about the way that we, look at early learning and childcare in this country, you know, we're the only industrialized country that doesn't offer universal pre-K. And so in essence, you could consider some of the approaches in Europe and other places where they have a very different orientation and way of thinking about education and development of children and have many more policies and practices in place. I I know different systems of government, but there's more of an investment in kids beginning in the earliest years. And so they actually, you could conceive of that, think of that as having a competitive advantage. They're starting the development of their future talent workforce much earlier and a more systemic intentional way. 
So in recognition, you know, business leaders can ultimately understand that connection to a competitive advantage. And that's something that we don't have. So that would also merit some consideration and hopefully influence the thinking on the, the policy side of the equation. Agreed. Cindy, well, that's the last word. So folks, how was the discussion and networking today? The FTE post show notes will hit your email very soon. Please take the 30 second survey in order to get your copy of today's attendee contact list. You'll also find links to the on-demand FTE videos and podcasts from previous experts, previous shows. Should you or somebody you know wanna be a guest expert just like Cindy? A chance to share, experiment, get feedback and learn something new with our experienced cross-industry leader networks? Contact us, we wanna talk about it. Good experience today on the FTE show? Share it, share it with others that you wanna network with. Forward our newsletters, invite your connections to our events. Folks, we're out of time. FT will take a brief summer break to recharge and relax a little, and we hope you do too. But we'll see you right back here on the next live show, August 3rd, with some current insights from founder and CEO of the Canon, a fast-growing innovation accelerator for entrepreneurs, business leaders, and inventors and investors. Don't miss out on this or any FTE shows you ask. Take a moment, subscribe to the FTE calendar and never miss a show that updates your calendar when we update ours. Sign up right now by clicking the FTE calendar subscription link in the chat box. Gus, if you drop that there, we'd appreciate it. Thanks once again, Sandy, and to all of you for making FTE Tuesdays the smartest 45 minutes in your day. Have a relaxing summer, everybody.